Motherhood has been used to oppress and exploit women for centuries, but it doesn't have to be this way. And as mothers, we're ready for a revolution. We love our kids, but we struggle with losing our identities, bearing the weight of motherhood without enough support, and striving to meet those impossible standards of what it means to be a good mother. It's time to openly discuss how motherhood is deeply affected by patriarchy, racism, and capitalism so that we can break free of these systems. As mothers, we know our work is valuable and has radical potential to birth a more equitable and inclusive future for ourselves and our children. Welcome to the Rebel Mothers Podcast. I'm your host, Susie Fishleader, and together we'll explore the challenges of modern motherhood and reclaim mothering as an act of liberation. Hello again! Today is part two in the series of matrescence. Last week, we discussed the idea of birth, you know, pregnancy and birth as a rite of passage, really honoring that period of transition into motherhood. We talked about how birth rituals in America are designed to imprint our country's patriarchal, colonized values onto mothers during their most vulnerable moments so that they can teach them to their children and kind of keep them going forward, right? The period of matrescence is an incredibly transformative time in your life and really sets up your experience of motherhood. So today I want to talk about, you know, if your pregnancy, birth, or adoption and early days of mothering did not go the way you wish them to go, is that it? Is that that there's nothing else? Is there a way? Is there a way to rewrite the story of what happened so that you can find peace, strength, delight, and agency in the retelling of your matrescence period? What steps can you take to make your next birthing experience a satisfying and joyful rite of passage? This is a really personal topic for me, I imagine for many of you, since my own birthing experiences didn't really go the way I wanted them to go. And that's probably, it is absolutely what set me on my path over the last 15 years of helping other mothers have better early experiences in mothering. And in fact, this is a common thread I found every time I meet a doula or a birth worker, a postpartum care provider, a midwife, so many times they had their own stories of healing to do and they realized, okay, I just have to dedicate the rest of my life to helping other mothers navigate this period. So, you know, I think it's pretty common, but I will say that, you know, my own process of healing and rewriting my matrescence experience, um, really helped me to find a sense of personal agency and power that I hadn't acknowledged before I became a mother, right? Because historically, I think women are told we don't have personal agency or we don't have autonomy or we're maybe not told that, but we certainly experience it. And so this, the journey of healing from my difficult births has helped me to become a more empowered person in general, right? So that's what this episode is about today. Um, before we dive in, I do want to remind everybody that while I am incredibly passionate about maternal well-being, women's empowerment, you know, navigating the journey of motherhood, I am not a medical professional. So the information shared on this podcast, especially this episode, is based on personal experiences, research, and other women's stories, not any sort of medical background, okay? So if you are dealing with any serious repercussions from your birth experience, whether physical or emotional or mental, it's really crucial to consult with your own healthcare provider or qualified professional for personalized advice regarding your specific situation. Your health and well-being are of utmost importance, and I am here to provide support and insights, but remember please, I'm not a doctor. 
So now let's continue our conversation about matrescence and talk about how to plan for a birthing experience that fulfills you and heals you from one that didn't. First, I want to talk about how the social expectations and pressures to be the perfect mother might have shaped your initial postpartum and healing days. We've already discussed how in patriarchal societies, there exists you know, a really deeply ingrained set of expectations and norms surrounding motherhood, which manifest in this sort of myth of the perfect mother. And this myth sets, you know, an unrealistic standard for mothers. It promotes the idea that they should effortlessly embody qualities like selflessness, nurturing, you know, unwavering strength. And it absolutely, this myth absolutely shows up during matrescence, first by creating, you know, unrealistic expectations about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, bonding, and attachment, you know, whether you return or not return to work. So many early motherhood experiences are shaped by this patriarchal narrative. There's really often an unattainable standard that can lead to feelings of inadequacy and failure, right? Mothers might internalize the belief that any deviation from this ideal is a personal shortcoming. So if you didn't, you know, feel that immediate flush of total love for your newborn that is commonly portrayed, or you're really struggling mentally with depression or physical effects from birth, maybe you aren't able to breastfeed or you don't actually enjoy breastfeeding, Maybe you have intrusive or ambivalent thoughts about motherhood, or I mean, my gosh, the list just, it goes on and on and on. And it can be really easy to turn into any of these feelings like, oh my gosh, I'm already failing as a mother. And that's a really shitty place to be in, right? So that myth of the perfect mother from the beginning, before we're even a mother, has already set us up to feeling like we're not doing good enough, yeah? And then something else I noticed immediately after my cesarean was the downplaying of difficult or traumatic birth experiences that really trivializes the mother or birthing person's very appropriate feelings and emotions about it. So let's say you do have a disappointing birth experience or you are struggling with depression or any a number of things that aren't measuring up and you try and talk about it with somebody and they, they downplay it, right? So like in my experience, I was really disappointed that I ended up needing a C-section, right? I felt like I'd been cheated of a magical, beautiful experience that I'd really hoped I would have. And I was really shocked at how challenging, physically challenging my recovery was. It felt like my body totally betrayed me. But many times when I tried to talk about these feelings with well-meaning people, inevitably somebody would say, oh, but you know, yeah, in the end, aren't you glad you have a healthy baby? And then I'd feel guilty about complaining, like, of course, I'm glad I have a healthy baby. I'm delighted to be a mother. There are people who would love to be in my place. And I obviously, I have no right to complain. So then I stopped talking about it as much. I'd like push it down, right? Unless I was sure I'd have a sympathetic listener. And it was the first time I got a glimmer of what it felt like to have me, like Susie, you know, my own lived reality erased in the role of mother. Yes, I was happy I had a healthy baby, and I was terribly disappointed in my birth. And there is enough space to hold truth in both of those statements, and I shouldn't have had to silence that to live up to the expectation of other people, even if it doesn't fit into some impossible standard of perfection, right? And I want to hold grace for the people who did respond to me in that way because they were probably having their own trouble processing difficult emotions, you know, and so it's easier for someone who's on that other side to just kind of put the positive light on it. But like, you know, it's okay. 
humanity, we need to learn how to hold all the behaviors, the, the feelings, the emotions as, as valid, positive and negative. So when you're reflecting on your matrescence journey, it's helpful to remember that living under patriarchy for sure had an impact, not only under your birth experience, but also your early days of motherhood. There were undoubtedly circumstances that were beyond your control, larger systems at play that were not designed with birthing people in mind. And allowing ourselves grace for the decisions that we made in this paradigm is really critical. Okay, so now here we are. Perhaps you listening to this podcast, maybe you're a few weeks postpartum, or maybe it's been years since you had your last baby, but the effects of matrescence still linger on in how you show up as a mother. So let's talk about some ways that you can heal from a difficult or disempowering pregnancy, birth, or early mothering experience. So last week I referenced the book Birth as an American Rite of Passage by Robbie Davis Floyd. She has a whole chapter on the topic of rewriting your matrescence experience called Scars into Stars, the Reinterpretation of the Childbirth Experience. She starts by describing two different approaches to dealing with difficult experiences and says women tend to either compartmentalize the experience or learn how to lean in and find meaning in it. So compartmentalizing the experience means that you shut it away, you put it all behind you, you don't want to talk or think about it, it's over and done, life moves on. And this for sure provides some safety, right? Because you you are removed from it. But therapeutically speaking, this can eventually present a problem, of course, because unresolved traumas tend to resurface in various ways. And for many women, if they become pregnant again, they now have to choose whether or not they continue to compartmentalize and disassociate with their birth experience, or they're going to explore their traumatic birth with the goal of healing past traumas. They're going to do that leaning in and find meaning in it so that perhaps they can have a birth experience more aligned with their own belief systems. So this brings me to my first point. Before you take any action on rewriting your matrescence period, it's important to do some self-reflection first. Do you feel like you've processed your pregnancy, birth, and early postpartum days appropriately, right? Ask yourself this. Take some time to sit and reflect on your birth experience. You know, remember the sights, the sounds, senses, uh, emotions, you know, picture the setting. How did you feel? How do you wish you'd felt? In what ways were you supported and not supported? That kind of thing. Of course, this is work you can do on your own through journaling or meditation, but this is also when it's really helpful to get a coach, a therapist, you know, or a supportive and non-judgmental friend uh, or new mom's group, you know, the community to, to help you, to help you process these, these early days. Uh, when I served as a chapter leader for ICANN, which is the International Cesarean Awareness Network, I really learned a lot about supporting women who experienced challenging cesarean births. And one of the first lessons is the importance of creating a safe and non-judgmental space for sharing your birth stories. You know, whether you had an emergency or unexpected cesarean birth or any other difficult birth experience, there are a full range of emotions that happen and you can leave, you can, it can really leave women feeling like isolated or stigmatized. So having a supportive person or group of people where you can truly express all of your feelings without feeling like you're being judged, where, where you can truly be vulnerable, it's so important, Right. Once you've identified any negative emotions or specific moments that were disempowering, you know, keeping them in mind, then it's helpful to engage in body practices that help release those stored emotions. So these are physical things like yoga therapy or, 
dancing, meditation, running, deep breathing exercises, right? That physical release of the stored emotion helps lessen its power on you. So if you're really having trouble processing these emotions, find a therapist or somebody who can help you with releasing them, right? Then you can also list out and celebrate the positive aspects of your birth and postpartum experience. Like what are the good parts? Ask yourself, where did you find moments of strength and resilience? One of the things that I came to realize as I was doing this work for myself is that having my first baby was really the first time I can remember advocating for myself because now I had a newborn. I had to advocate for myself and my newborn. And, you know, I refused to let the nurse take him out of the room. I insisted on skin to skin contact. I fought for lactation support so that I could breastfeed. And these were moments that really empowered me, even though I didn't realize them as such at the time. Looking back, I can now see, oh gosh, I had not really ever fought for myself before with such um, conviction that I did at that time. So like, what are you proud of yourself for doing? How did you educate and prepare yourself for your birth? What were the moments, no matter how small, that brought a sense of joy or a sense of power and agency? So when you start to list out the positive moments of your birth experience, it can become a little easier to rewrite the narrative of negative thoughts and emotions, right? So you start by recognizing and, you know, yes, I recognize and acknowledge the negative thoughts that come up when I reflect on the difficult birth experience. These thoughts can be critical, fear-based, or rooted in feelings of like disappointment or failure. Then you can ask yourself, are these negative thoughts based on facts or are they influenced by emotions, assumptions, or perceptions, right? This goes back to, did I really feel this way because I went against my values or do I feel like I failed because it went against some perfect mother myth? So often these negative thoughts can be distorted and not entirely accurate. So then once you've identified the negative thought, you can choose positive affirmations that counteract them. So like positive affirmations, you know, it's a statement that like is constructive and empowering and optimistic. So for example, some positive affirmations, I am strong and resilient. My body is capable and I trust its wisdom. I faced challenges with courage and grace. Every experience teaches me and contributes to my growth. There's a lot of affirmations out there if you start looking up, you know, birth affirmations or motherhood affirmations. So see if you find one that really resonates with you. And then if you're having trouble even like identifying the negative thoughts, sometimes trying uh, like a creative expression like art or writing, maybe help, you know, maybe try and create like a vision board of your idealized birthing and postpartum experience. Uh, The book Birthing from Within is geared toward pregnant people, but it has some really helpful examples of birth art that might inspire you to kind of pull these thoughts to the forefront. So remember, this process is deeply personal and it's so essential that you honor your own pace and emotions, you know, be patient with yourself, celebrate any progress that you make along the way. And then looking ahead, if you are planning for your next birth, Um, this is when like a lot of mothers and birthing people find that if they had a difficult or challenging first birth, they're often really motivated to to prepare for a different experience in their second or subsequent births. So my first baby was an emergency cesarean birth after 24 hours of labor. Besides like your average birth class at the hospital, yeah, I took a breastfeeding class. I think I read one or two books. 
I hadn't done much preparation my first pregnancy. I was already a yoga teacher by then, and I figured, hey, I'm in great shape. I'll just ohm this baby out, right? I'll just do my yoga breath. And that is not at all what happened. So when I got pregnant again, I was determined to have a different experience, and I started learning and preparing myself much more hmm, intensely, I guess. Um, so I had gotten certified as a prenatal yoga teacher a few months before I got pregnant with my second baby. So I already felt much more at home in my pregnant body because I knew more about the, you know, the body of a pregnant person. I'd been attending local ICANN support groups. So I was more aware of resources available to me as a cesarean mother. I hired a doula. I signed up for that VBAC specific birthing from within class. I got acupuncture, I got chiropractic care, I received cranial sacral work, and I did energy clearing. I attended and taught prenatal yoga classes regularly. You guys, I did it all. I was going to have that VBAC, damn it. And guess what? I didn't. <laughs> I had another long labor, this time 27 hours of labor with two hours of pushing, and then I still had a cesarean. But... I consider my second birth to be my most healing and empowering because I worked so hard. I educated the crap out of myself and I'm so proud of myself for that, right? I advocated for myself every step of the way, including an eight page birth plan that accounted for all kinds of contingencies. Um, and I think there's a lot more that can be said for over preparing yourself for birth versus allowing the the process to happen naturally. Like I remember crying in one of my prenatal classes as a student because I was doing all of these things and I felt all this pressure to have a feedback. And my teacher, you know, she gently suggested that maybe doing all of the things wasn't helpful. So there is a balance to be found between preparation and learning to surrender, but that's probably an episode for another time, right? So, you know, the most healing part of my second labor actually had nothing to do with any of my preparation. It was the fact that I went into labor on my own. With my first baby, I was 42 weeks. I was 42 weeks and then I was induced because I hadn't gone into labor. So they induced me. And then after I had, you know, failure to progress, there was that quiet voice in my head that said my body wasn't capable of having a baby. You gotta love those voices when they pop up, right? So when with my second baby, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning with contractions and I lay there for a few hours and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. My body does know what it's doing. That was, that was, that was great. That was really healing. And I do want to acknowledge, like I did in the last episode, like my experience might be typical for someone who's cisgendered, straight, white, middle class, neurotypical, married, educated. So even with all of the privileges that I enjoy, I still ran into a lot of those standard over-medicalized birth procedures that did more to help the hospital and insurance companies than it did to support me. So with all of the intersecting identities that mothers and birthing people carry into their experiences, they're going to face different and unique challenges with each one. Every birthing experience is unique. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to healing from this. So I want to encourage all mothers and birthing people to embrace your unique birth story and people who work with mothers to embrace the diversity of birth stories that are out there you know recognize that this all contributes to a broader narrative of who a mother is and what motherhood can look like and i want you to acknowledge that your journey is valid regardless of societal expectations or norms 
So as I wrap up this episode, let's recap a little bit, okay? We think about the period of matrescence, similar to adolescence, and it deserves acknowledgement, empathy, and celebration. Last week, we discussed the three stages of matrescence as a rite of passage, from separation, pregnancy and birth, and integration. From the maiden to the mother, every step holds significance. And then using the book Birth as an American Rite of Passage by Robbie Davis Floyd, we looked at how the medicalization of birth in America and how the rituals in a hospital have impacted a new mother's psyche and approach to motherhood. Today, we explore the powerful concept of reclaiming and rewriting your matrescence experience. Whether your experience was empowering or challenging, that ability to reflect, learn how to release negative energy and thoughts, celebrate positive moments, you know, and connect with others offers a path to healing and just makes you not only a better mother, but a better human, like a more evolved human. Remember that this journey is personal and you have the strength to transform your narrative and find happiness as a mother. So as we wrap this up, I encourage all of you rebel mothers to just really embrace the complexity of your matrescence, rewrite your narrative with compassion, and celebrate the strength within all of you. Stay tuned for more empowering stories and insightful discussions in future episodes of Rebel Mothers. Remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast to spread the message far and wide. Learn more at suzyfishleader.com. And thank you for being part of the motherhood revolution.